Welcome and greetings, career-minded superstars. You are listening to the exclusive Career Coach, your podcast for all things career. And I'm Lisa Edwards, the indispensable career coach for superstars just like you. Now let's dig into this week's topic, shall we? Go from dragging yourself to work each day to finding a job you love. The Career Spring program is for high-achieving and ambitious mid-level professionals like you who are looking for a job that uses your zone of genius, recognizes your value, and pays you what you're worth. If you're ready to learn more, schedule a complimentary consult using the link to my calendar in the show notes. Be sure to follow me on Exclusive Career Coaching on Facebook, Lisa Edwards on LinkedIn, and Lisa.Edwards on Instagram. Greetings, you geniuses. How are you doing out there? You guys are fantastic. I just want to say that the way this podcast has grown in terms of numbers, in terms of engagement, feedback, people reaching out to me to say that, you know, they'd listened to a number of podcasts in this space and they thought that mine and how I deliver it was the best. That means the world to me. Podcast was recently acknowledged for, I think, the fifth year as being a top podcast from Max List, which I'm very proud of. And there's two other awards that the podcast has won. So, yay. All right, enough of that. All right. So, today we're talking about the number one most desirable trait employers look for. And this is according to a Harvard expert. It's an article that I found from Heidi K. Gardner, PhD. And she has discovered through more than a decade of teaching and research at Harvard's business and law schools, no no schlep there, that people who figured out how to collaborate across teams gained a major competitive edge over those who did not. Now that may sound like a duh, but I really want to dive into this and what does that look like and how can you improve your collaboration skills? Dr. Gardner also discovered just how rare this collaboration skill is. A 2021 McKinsey study found that collaboration skills were surprisingly rare, especially among men. The study found that women leaders compared with men at the same level were about twice as likely to spend substantial time on collaborative efforts that fell outside their formal jobs. So twice as likely for the women to get that collaboration, seek collaboration than the men. So what exactly is collaboration? Let's define it. It's the act of bringing people together to solve problems. In my practice, my clients are stressing the importance of cross-functional collaboration. So in other words, when they're coming to me to have their resume redone, their LinkedIn profile, they are really emphasizing that they worked cross-functionally with this, 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 and this team. Maybe they worked cross-functionally geographically as well. And so they are emphasizing that as a skill as they are addressing kind of those complex, nuanced challenges that businesses have. And and they recognize that the, the really creative solutions are likely to be found in collaboration as opposed to in a vacuum. Why are collaborations so important in today's workforce? Here's the research. First of all, collaborators deliver higher quality results. Makes sense, right? They get promoted faster. And I think that's, there's a couple of reasons for that. One is certainly that they are getting more done 
and doing bigger things because they are collaborating. And also, I think it's because they are getting known more widely, especially if they are collaborating cross-functionally. People are recognizing them and acknowledging their genius. They are more noticed by senior management. That makes sense for the same reasons I just mentioned. And finally, they have more satisfied clients. If I collaborate with someone on, you know, writing a resume or get some help with something on I'm working with on a client, it's probably going to be a better result for the client. The client's going to appreciate that. So let's talk next about the aspects or the facets of being an exceptional collaborator. What does that look like? Number one, you want to be an inclusive leader. So whether you are in an actual leadership position or you are in leadership in terms of your influence, you want to do what you can to bring diversity together, bring diverse people together, and be sure to be inclusive in your diversity. What do I mean by that? Different knowledge domains, different backgrounds, different stages and ages and life expectations, different educational backgrounds, different cultures, different personality types, different strengths. I think when we think about diversity, and hopefully we've moved in the last few years with all of the DEI work that is being done in in corporations across the, the world, I suppose, certainly here in the United States, I think we've learned to paint diversity with a very broad brushstroke. And no longer is it just the color of your skin, but there is so much, it is that and so much more. You know, one of the things that I am involved with is the Myers-Briggs Type Indicator, or MBTI, which is the world's largest personality inventory. I'm a master practitioner about this. And the research that has been done around the MBTI is very clear in showing that heterogeneous groups are much more effective in their final result than homogenous groups. So what the research shows is a homogenous group. So we've got people who, from a personality perspective, are all very similar. What you end up with is everybody has the same kind of strength and interest, and everybody else has everybody has the same weakness and blind spot. So when you have a heterogeneous group, and again, this is from the perspective of personality, heterogeneity, if I, I don't know if that's a word, it means that I've got people who make their decisions with their head. I've got people who make decisions with their heart. I've got people who are planful. I've got people who are spontaneous. I've got people who are very structured and linear. And I've got people who are very much more fly by the seat of their pants and kind of jump in and, and jump around. So I think that that applies to what we're talking about in terms of diversity and inclusion as well. When you bring together that kind of a a heterogeneous group with all of that diversity, your result will be better. Now, the challenge with that diverse group is to get them on the same page and moving in the same direction and having that facilitating that culture where people feel comfortable healthily arguing, disagreeing, and, you know, feel free to share crazy ideas and, you know, workshop things that might be good nuggets of ideas and all of that. So that's number one, be an inclusive leader. Number two, show appreciation and acknowledgement. The A study by Harvard Business School professor Boris Groisberg, I hope I said that right, found that workers, especially men, often take their professional networks for granted. 
You want to acknowledge the people who have helped you get where you are and show appreciation for those that you've collaborated with. So nothing will end your upward climb at the company, I think, faster than I got all these people to help me with this, but I took all the credit. So give credit where credit is due. And conversely, you never, ever want to throw anyone under the bus. You don't want to stand up and say, hey, I want to thank Sue. She was super helpful and she did X, Y, and Z. John was a slacker and he tried to derail it at every chance. You never want to say anything like that. It's also very important in terms of appreciation and acknowledgement to make it appropriate, A, for the amount of effort that it was made, right? So does this amount of effort you know, do I just want to do a personal thank you note to them? Is this something that requires, you know, I want to send something to their boss or even the, the CEO of the company to tell them the role and how important this person was? Do I want to give them a small gift or a treat or take them to lunch or something like that? And also, I, you know, it's really helpful to know what is valuable to the other person. I I often talk about with my clients about how I learned such a valuable lesson when I first started working at the last university at Truman State University. And I had each one of my employees in the career center come in one-on-one for first meeting. And one of the things I asked them is, how do they like to be rewarded? How do they like to be acknowledged? And it was so interesting. And I've actually had I had a really bad experience with this where I completely missed the boat in giving someone what I thought was a reward back at Columbus State University. And he he told me later on that he was very insulted by it. I learned that lesson. And then what this, she was the secretary at the time. And what she said when I asked her what was rewarding to her, she said ice cream. And I said, okay, <laughs> what does that mean? She loved like having an ice cream bar, you know, with all the toppings. And we had over 30 students working in the career center. So it was, you know, half a dozen full-time employees and all the student workers. And when there was a birthday or, you know, somebody had done something great or we had achieved a milestone, we would often have an ice cream social and, and tell all the, the student workers to come on in on a certain day from this time to this time. And the interesting thing about it was she was more than willing to go to the store and buy all the things. You know, she was the one that had the the money. She had the, her hands on the money. So she could go get all the things and set it up and clean it up afterwards. She was perfectly happy to do that and, and didn't feel like that was punishing her. It was all part of the reward of the ice cream that meant so much to her. So whenever you can find out what, because I learned a hard way, some people don't want to be publicly acknowledged. And if you stood up in front of a group of people and acknowledged them, they would be mortified. So find out. So that's number two, show appreciation and acknowledgement. Number three, and remember, again, we're talking about collaboration and how to be a good collaborator. Number three is to ask for help. So whatever your role is in an organization, it's really likely that reaching out across the organization for different insights and perspectives is going to make your final product better. That's kind of a no-brainer. So collaboration doesn't have to be a large group. It doesn't have to be something formal that's been given, you know, kind of the blessing from above. It could be just you collaborating with one person from another department. It could be you developing some professional relationships across the aisle, if you will, so that you go to lunch and you learn more about the purchasing department and what they're challenged with. And you think of ways that you can partner with them. And the same thing with HR and marketing and whatever other departments 
makes sense for you. So it could be something that happens kind of organically, right? Like we get together, we have lunch, we find out a way that we could collaborate, or it could be the reverse. I know that I want this kind of collaboration. I think this person would be a good fit. Let me meet with them and see if they're on board. One-on-one collaborations can also be a really great way to form strong business relationships with people that you would otherwise really not get to know, maybe not even know their name. And you want to, again, remember to credit those who help you. So how do you find these people? I think that one of the most helpful things that when I first went to Truman was my boss sat me down and said, here are the key people that I want you to connect within the organization. For, and this is the reason, because it wasn't the same reason for each person. So I sort of had a, it was, it was a great roadmap, if you will, for my first few weeks in terms of who I should talk to. So if you're new to an organization, there may be someone who could do that for you. It can also be just using your existing network within the organization to say, hey, I'm looking for help on this. Who would be a good person? Right. So just really getting out there and talking to people and seeing, you know, what shakes out. So that's number three. Ask for help. Number four is to crowdsource. So give people a way to contribute and learn along the way without having to be a part of every team. So maybe you have Slack or some other messaging tool that you can kind of get some virtual collaborations going around, knowledge sharing knowledge distribution. So this is a less formal. The idea of crowdsourcing is not everybody has to buy in 100% and, you know, be on this committee or agree to meet with me once a week for a month or whatever it is. It could just be, hey, I'm working with a few people on this idea, would love to hear your thoughts. And you just want to be very specific in what you're asking for. It always fascinates me. I belong to a group called Fairy God Boss, and I am one of the VIPs in the career space. So I'm the one kind of, I answer questions. I don't, I can pose them if I want. And I have posed a few questions, but mostly my job is to answer. And it fascinates me when there will be this three paragraph lengthy message from someone and there's no ask there. And so I notice, especially if I haven't, if there have been a few comments before I get to the message, like I haven't, you know, I check it twice a week. So let's say half a dozen people have responded to someone's non-question and they've all kind of gone in different directions or Whatever the first person said, they went in that direction, which may not have been the direction that the asker wanted to go in at all, but they didn't ask. They didn't make it clear. So if you want people to say, hey, what would you add to this list? You know, here's what we're going to do with it. You want to be very specific. Hey, who needs to know this information? Who should I include on this list to distribute this when it's finished? Be very specific. So that's number four, crowdsource. Number five is share data streams. Scorecards, dashboards, these are powerful tools that allow you to measure progress against any goals that you've set. And it also creates a sense of kind of positive peer pressure as outcomes can be compared and you can make critical information accessible. So this is a way to you know, put out the work that you're doing. And it's never done in a punitive manner where it's never done to say, hey, we did better than this other group. It's simply data is data. If there are some negative, like, ooh, that doesn't look good, leave that interpretation up to whomever needs to make that interpretation. That's probably not you. 
And of course, there are some data that should not be shared. And so you want to be sensitive to that and, you know, ask if you need to ask someone about what can and can't be accessible, then you want to do that. So that's number five, shared data streams. So if we circle back around the number one most desirable trait employers are looking for, according to a Harvard study, is this collaboration. So a couple of final points that I want to make. We've talked about this primarily in the context of being collaborative at work, but I also want you to think about this in terms of as you are interviewing for a new position, the data is clear that this is an important quality, the maybe the most important quality for the employer that you're interviewing with. So as you prepare your Carl stories, and if you don't know what a Carl story is for interviewing, go back to one of my interview workshops. That's my framework. Think about, okay, what might they ask me relative to collaborations? Might they ask me a question about, tell me about a time when you realized you couldn't do a task by yourself. How did you, how did you go about getting buy-in and collaboration? Maybe it's a question about, tell me about a time when a collaborative effort wasn't going as planned. How did you write the ship and get things back on track? So they could come out from any number of angles. And you want to have a few of your 10 Carl stories being about collaborations, again, coming at it from different angles, so that A, you're, you're instilling confidence in the interviewer that you are collaborative and that you will be collaborative. And also, you know, you're just kind of tooting your horn about how well you've done it, how good you've been at it. If this is not a strength of yours, if you are listening to this and going, oh, oh, I might be a lone wolf, think about ways in which you can become more collaborative. It's never too late to start. And, you know, don't try to eat the whole elephant. What is a small way in which I can seek collaboration? I can seek to be a collaborator for someone else or for something I'm doing. Get that collaboration and kind of begin to build that muscle up so that it can become, if not a strength, at least not a a weakness or a vacuum, if you will, in my professional development. I hope this has been helpful. I will see you next week. Take care. You've been listening to the Exclusive Career Coach with Lisa Edwards, CEO of Exclusive Career Coaching. It would be great if you would rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. Also, I want to be your career coach, so be sure to ask questions about your career management challenges and job search situation. Until next time.